This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I mean, I think it's like any other season in some ways, uh, but obviously way different than others. In the same way, it's, you know, be where your feet are. If I'm here in the building, that's all I can do until they tell me I have to leave. Uh, I'm going to give it all I have here. And if I can't be in here, then I'm going to figure out how to get better at home, how to up our team from home. But hopefully we get everybody healthy, have everybody in the building this whole year. Yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, that's what we've been talking about a little bit uh We'll see if the Jaguars can do that, and uh, Lady Luck will have to be on their side a little bit. Uh, do you see the big explosion in Beirut? Yeah, man. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, that was some incredible video out of Beirut uh, near a port uh, that obviously was carrying some something very explosive mm-hmm. uh, in the buildings that blew up, and it was just unreal if you haven't seen it yet they're saying now more than 50 are dead and 2700 injured and my guess is underneath the rubble they're going to find a, a lot more so uh it looks something out of like a movie man. it really it, it did. does not look real I, like, at all. It's, now, it's insane and the thing is on twitter when you first jump on and you see something like that you're like okay is this real yeah I mean, you know, cause it's somebody it's just sad that, that your mind has to go there, but that's the but it goes there. the matter. Yeah. And the, the amount of video that's captured, like I just saw a car driving by and they were they just they were obviously taking uh, the first plume of smoke that was which was already pretty big. There had to be a pretty decent explosion then or, or fire going on before that huge explosion. And then they just got totally rocked. They said it was felt 180 miles away. That's how biz, big of an explosion it was. Amazing. Yeah. Um, amazing, amazing. And I didn't, you know, I didn't think about this part until I just read up a little bit on the break. And it said, uh, they're all, you know, they're obviously dealing, this isn't the United States thing only, they're dealing with the pandemic, mm-hmm. coronavirus, and their hospitals have been filled. And now they're, t- they're turning people away. It, I mean, you see that? This, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're turning and, and everything shut in generators people. and yeah. all this stuff. So. I mean, but I mean, yeah, well, it's it's chaos, man. Well, you right. just think about it. Listen, I'm not thinking about it from an explosion. You just think about anything major that happens even here in the United States mm-hmm. that would need uh, hospitals, like whether it's just a – I don't know what it is. I mean, heck, even sometimes you wonder in some spots right now uh, if it's a, it's a major car accident mm-hmm. or whatever, do they have the appropriate thing? That's where this all started. This whole pandemic was make sure there's – you don't want a backfill in the hospitals because to treat normal stuff. Correct. Well, this wasn't normal. I mean, this is obviously abnormal, and you just keep your fingers crossed around the country, and especially here in the United States, there isn't anything abnormal. Yeah. Uh, that will happen. I just, I just can't imagine being in the healthcare field, and you know, it's your job to serve others. You have people coming in left and right, bloodied and and, and beaten, and you have to turn them away just because, hey, there's nothing we can do for you nothing right now. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, go yeah. down the road. Uh, it's a tough deal. So yeah. that's what's happening in Beirut. Stay uh, tuned to Action News Jacks. Uh, really, right now, if you're uh, at home, CBS 47, Fox 30 for the latest on that, and of course, coming up at five o'clock as well. Well, we uh, formed a new partnership with Florida State uh, here on ESPN. 690. We broke that news for you on Friday. We're excited about it uh, and excited really for the Knowles fans. Listen, I've been around a, a dozen years and uh, in Jacksonville and the, uh, there's a lot of Gators in town now mm-hmm. uh, on, on the media side. Uh, there's places uh, where a lot of Gator talk happens. I think Florida State fans over the years have felt a little bit neglected uh, even when there was a lot of success. Yep. And if you just take it from uh, the 
idea of where do you find uh, Gene Deckerhoff calling your games on Saturdays. I mean, you needed to Google it or ask a million people to find it. And same goes for what has been a highly successful basketball program uh, the last few years, especially with Leonard Hamilton. Well, now you got a place to go uh, is the bottom line ESPN 690. And in conjunction with that, we just think, hey, if we're going to have Florida State, let's talk a little Florida State. So we'll try to do that um, more often than maybe we have. And uh, let's begin. Let's get it. Because the ACC season is happening. There's still some interesting things going on. With the plus one game, mm-hmm. who are they going to play? How's that going to work out? Some decisions need to be made, but they're going to try to give it a go. We we told you all about that last week when the ACC came out with the news and Notre Dame basically joining the conference and Florida State adding Notre Dame and the schedule getting turned around a little bit. Some uh, leaving the schedule, others added to it, and now it's a really good-looking schedule for Florida State, which also makes it a tougher schedule, mm-hmm. it looks like, for Florida State. Mike Norvell, new coach. Gene Deckerhoff, we had him on Friday, said, hey, he really likes the feel around there, around Norvell, and part of that is the quarterback position. It's no secret. All you have to do is look here in the state of Florida, when teams have been good at the college level, they usually have a pretty decent signal caller. Yep. Uh, that's just the way it is in football all around the country mm-hmm. on, on every level. And Florida State, when they had Jameis Winston, it was national championship and another trip to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. They thought they had some more hope with guys coming in right after uh, Jameis Winston from DeAndre Francois to others. And James Blackman has been kind of the guy the last couple of years. He's still there. Mm-hmm. But there's also some others to talk about uh, with Norvell. He has options. Jordan Travis, Chubba Purdy, who's supposed to be really good. Uh, we'll see if he's able to acclimate quick enough. Tate Rotomaker as well. So finally, when Willie Taggart couldn't get quarterback signed mm-hmm. in his two-year tenure, Mike Norvell at least has some options and more on the way. But including a guy like James Blackman, who's been steady and at least has some veteran experience he can lean on, got to be the favorite to be the guy in the fall. See, he could be the favorite, but there's a couple caveats to that, Brent, right? Because I always say this, you're only as good as your last game, okay? If you look at James Blackman's last game, Sun Bowl, Arizona State, you saw how, I mean, you probably saw how he did. One touchdown, four interceptions, 14 for, tw- uh, f- yeah, 14 for 26, 244 yards. And keep in mind, that one touchdown was like a long 90-yard pass, right? So predominantly that entire game, James Blackman didn't show up. That's our last footage that we have of James Blackman. Now, I know you're going to say, well, that's just one game. Okay, but keep in mind, a couple years ago, a, a guy by the name of Alex Hornibrook threw four touchdowns against Miami in the Orange Bowl, went 23 for uh, 34, became the Orange Bowl MVP, and all of a sudden people were optimistic about him coming to Florida State because, well, he crushed Miami. So that game, how much does it really mean? A little bit, okay? I, I'm going to say just a little bit. But here's what I think right now with Norvell's offense coming in. It's an up-tempo offense and also a pro-style offense. So what does that tell you? It tells you that you have to be have a guy that can handle the pressure. You have to have a guy who's experienced, who can make the right plays, number one, but also, two, who doesn't turn the ball over. Now, when you have a new coach coming in, 
there's two philosophies. Either you go with the seasoned vet, obviously this year um, it would be James Blackman. You go with the guy who's been in the program a little bit because that's the guy that can kind of usher in the new era, right? Like the most important position on the, on the field is a quarterback position. So you want to have a guy who's kind of been ingrained in the trenches a little bit, who has the experience, who has that leadership. There is one way to look at it. The other way would be like a Chubba Purdy where it's like, you know what? This is my guy. I I recruited him. This is my guy. He's got what I want in a quarterback. Let's get him in right away. Keep in mind this year with COVID-19, I think the Florida State Seminoles only had three spring practices. Usually the spring is where the vets get to shine. Usually the spring would be like, all right, James Blackman is, you know, ingrained in this new offense. He's got to be the clear favorite going forward. But you only had three practices. So how much does James Blackman know right now about this offense? Probably not that much. So with that being said, I think James Blackman is by far the clear-cut favorite right now as a starter. But I'm just saying that leash right now is not as long as I think people are going to think it is just because he's still trying to learn this new offense as well. And if Trevor Purdy kind of you know exemplifies the fact that he can pick up a new offense and obviously he's Norvell's guy, well, you might be seeing him start sooner than later. It's a similar question that we asked when Willie Taggart was there. It's not like, okay, who might, be, who do you think is the best quarterback, best option right now to win right now, or do you think who fits the system? Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were in Tallahassee and we go to the media days, we asked Willie Taggart about like who fits, trying to get a grip on like what kind of fit is, and they wouldn't really clear-cut answer that. Well, we know how that all worked out with Willie Taggart. Yeah. But what will the fit be for Norvell? What, what does he see, to your point? I mean, you just said it. Uh, and how much – I always think, though – Coaches lean on what they know, mm. and what you know is some what you've seen from Blackman. Yeah, there might be the four interception game, mm-hmm. but there's also a guy with a big arm and and a lot of games under his belt that makes you feel better, makes you feel a little more comfortable as you go into your first year with all this uncertainty around. So I think he's got to be the prohibitive favorite just for that. Also, the the last impression is an interesting point, but I'm going to bring you to another guy that had a last impression in college, and it wasn't pretty. And, well, you know his name. You have him on your fantasy team, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> right here at the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, sure. man. We watched Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. and it kind of put in my mind. Now, we had seen, but once you see it up close, it put in my mind as like, I mean, there was no surprise in my in, in my opinion that he went as low as he went in the first round. Mm-hmm. A lot of it based off that game yeah, because yeah. I hadn't watched him up close. Sure. but. Well, now look, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we got to be careful to put too much stock in, in one game. I get the last impression. And Norvell, those guys have been around it long enough. They're not putting everything into the one game. They're watching no, a bunch you. of tape, and they're seeing them up close. But I think from an outside perspective, we can't get too wrapped up in that last impression because, again, uh, right here in Jacksonville, I watched Lamar Jackson do it. Two years later, he's the MVP of the NFL. No, it's a great point. And obviously you have to go by it. The whole stake, not just the sizzle, right? I mean, and, and that's exactly what this coaching staff is doing right now. Also keep in mind with James Black, and this happened to Francois as well. Two very, very promising quarterbacks whose offensive line play really did him zero favors, okay? And I think if you take that into account as well, and I'm pretty sure this coaching staff will, I think they realize that James Blackman could be special going forward. But he has to have the guys around him to do that. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's had the offensive firepower. He's had the speed, obviously. He's had the running game. But has he had the offensive line to dominate the trenches? Not recently. So I think, you know, obviously with Norvell coming in as well, you have to ask yourself, are we comfortable putting a first-year guy back there right now with offensive line situations? And probably not right now. And also one more caveat, too, as well. We're, 
This is the college football of, of the modern era, Brent. Usually you'd be like, all right, well, let's go ahead and let's bring these, you know, these two guys coming in now. Let's bring them along, right? Let's go ahead and redshirt them their first year. Let's get them acclimated to the college lifestyle, and then let's bring them along. But nowadays, man, the quarterback position is so cutthroat where if Trevor Purdy's not starting in two years, one could say, well, he's going to start at all, you know, because well, every single, transferring. Exactly, because every single year new quarterbacks are coming in and quarterbacks are transferring. So to say, well, this kid's inexperienced, it's going to be his first year, he hasn't had a spring, I get all that stuff. But I'm just saying, if you know, then you know, and you put him in right away, and it is what it is. And it, and it kind of keeps in mind, too, for Jordan Davis, a guy last year who was the backup quarterback, got some starting playing time, obviously beat the teams more with his legs than with his arm, but showed, quote-unquote, some promise in the spring. Now, that's three spring practices. Take that how you want. But it kind of begs the question, do you see Jordan Davis then being that backup role, and you, you sit the two freshman quarterbacks coming in, or do you just say, you know what, Trevor Purdy's my guy. I recruited him. I want him in. And Jordan Davis, we'll see what you got, man. But Trevor Purdy's going to be the backup quarterback just in case it goes south real quick. Yeah, Jordan Travis. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Black, so you got Blackman, Travis, uh, Purdy, and Rotomaker. And I love I love what you're saying. What a, It would be wow if Norvell, right out of the gates, goes with a guy like Purdy mm-hmm. or Rotomaker or one mm-hmm. of those kind of guys, right? Yeah. Because it's a, it's a little... I wouldn't say it'd be unconventional, but it would also show this great faith, and we think this gets really good. I think sure. that would be almost encouraging for the fan base of Florida State who's trying to find that next guy. Uh, I just think from an odds perspective, it's unlikely to do that, uh, but it would say a lot. Yeah. It, it would really say a lot uh, of small samples of what they've been able to see. By the way, Florida State gets going on Thursday. And uh, they'll start this march toward a season that we hope happens. And again, we'll keep an eye on uh, positive tests and negative tests and everything to get to a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the X factor question for me is what we've been saying about Florida State for a long time. And it didn't matter if Jimbo Fisher was there. It didn't matter if Willie Taggart was there. Now it doesn't matter if Mike Norvell's there. Is their offensive line improved? Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about the quarterbacks and when we bring up the quarterbacks, Blackman has played behind a porous offensive line. You wonder if they're even just a little improved from what they've been. He might have his best chance to succeed right now. That's the X factor is did they make that better? Are they good enough? And it's a lot to ask for Norvell because he's just in here year number one. If they haven't, by year two and year three, they better be a heck of a lot better on the offensive line. That's something that's almost gone a decade now, it feels like. Even when they, you know, it was something they were able to hide Correct. in the later years of Jimbo Fisher. Um, and they really haven't been able to correct ever since the national championship run. Well, and, and that kind of, to me, is, is the biggest question here is, are you confident right now, if you were to go the freshman direction and you were to start Purdy or Rotomaker, would you feel comfortable right now? With them behind that offensive line, right? Because it's one thing to come from high school and have all these accolades and be these four and three star recruits against some probably some pretty good offensive line play, right? Like you're you're accustomed right now to having a clean pocket, making decisions, and doing what your high school coach tells you to do. But we see this happen in the pros all the time. I was a part of it with the whole Blaine Gabbert era. Now not to say Blaine Gabbert's offensive line was bad, but he got hit a couple times and it changed his complete mindset. And this was at the professional level, right? This was at the level where he's supposed to shine and everything like that. 
So I'm just saying, if you're not comfortable right now with your offensive line going forward, then James Blackman is by far your favorite to start for the Florida State Seminoles this year just because he has the experience. He has been in the, in the trenches a little bit, taking those grenades, and you might as well throw him back out there until you have everything shored up with your O-line. Last thought, uh, Mike Norvell, at least uh, here at an FSU at four. Uh, wow. <laughs> you know, coming in yeah. uh, and everything to deal with with the pandemic – uh, you know, obviously got himself in, in a little bit of hot water, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, with the players early on. And it's going to be fascinating to watch. Is he the guy? And it's it will be a dangerous territory to get into for Florida State if he's not the guy. Because once you go two cycles of coaching mm-hmm. and he's not the guy, then you're in a dangerous, dangerous territory. If you look down the road at Florida, they didn't have the guy for two cycles. Uh, now, I never think Muschamp gets enough credit for what he kind of did to clean things up. That's what he was asked to do. Mm-hmm. But he didn't win enough football games. Um, and then, you know, you go on your second cycle, don't win enough football games. Well, third cycle, they hit it with Mullen. He's winning football games. Uh, Florida State doesn't want to get into that position where this doesn't work out and then they're looking for that third cycle of coaching. And if it doesn't work out after three cycles, you get into this this period of time where you just haven't won for a decade and it's hard to overcome. It's an abyss. I mean, heck, even if you go back, nobody remembers this. Look it up, kids. But Alabama was in that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't win for a long time in the 90s because they made the wrong choices, wasn't the best fits at coaching. It's a big, big uh couple of years for Mike Norvell and for Florida State to be right. Let me ask you this, right? Because this is still Florida State at the end of the day. And I still think expectations are high. I still think that the, the, the name Florida State, it carries some cachet. It carries some pomp and circumstance. I think right now the recruiting class coming 2021 would dictate that. Where Florida State is still that, that cool brand. People want to be a part of it. How much falls on Norvell this year with a hard schedule and obviously everything going on with COVID-19 right now, if he was not to succeed right away, and if he was to come in and have an underachieving season, how much pressure should be under him to be like, hey man, you were brought here to turn this thing around and you didn't that first year. The outcry that should come from Florida State fans, would it be warranted or would you tell him, hey, relax, this is different, it's a, this is a crazy year, just give him a couple years and let's see what we got here. Listen, I think as crazy as fans can be, I think across the board, when a new guy comes in, people are excited, but they're also patient in year one. Mm-hmm. I think they under, there's a honeymoon cliche for a reason, and I think that honeymoon period is real. I think people are willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Here's what got Willie Taggart in trouble, and I'll even go back to Jacksonville, even say Gus Bradley to a degree, and I'll hang on for the Gus Bradley part, but Willie Taggart, what got him in trouble is he comes in, he's supposed to be this offensive guy, sure, and the offense couldn't even line up. Yeah, they were. They could not even line up yeah. and make a, and, and and run a play. Like it was like you were watching JV mm-hmm. out there. So if you're an offensive guy, you've got to show that your offense is is at least has potential to take it to a next step. Norvell, I think what he has to show here is that. 
this offense looks like it can be something, even if it's not everything in year one, it has the potential to be something down the road and give you hope into year two. To me, that would have nothing to do with the pandemic either. I just think that were, that would be the expectation if I was a Florida State fan. Like, fix this well, offense. You're an offensive guy. Look what you did at Memphis. You're in Memphis's offense run and be fun to watch. We want a fun offense to watch again. We want to be good. So as long as he showcases that, and why do I bring Gus Bradley into it? I say if Gus Bradley came in as what? A defensive guy. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that helped build Seattle. He was the guy that put the Legion of of Boom on the map. Mm -hmm. Well, they come in here and they try to fix the offense first. Like Bradley waited and and Dave Caldwell and, and the administration here in Jacksonville brought a defensive guy in and waited until year three and four to fix the defense. If you're coming in as a defensive guy... Show us that you're a defensive guy and then fix the offense. Sure. Well, if you're Mike Norvell, you're an offensive guy. Mm -hmm. What I want to see out of Mike Norvell this year is that that offense translates from Memphis to Tallahassee. But see, I, I still think the wins and losses, they matter, Brent, even in that first year. Now, I understand. With well, Billy, you can't with- be awful in, in, in oh, Florida of State. Of course. And but, Willie had those problems, too. Correct. And listen, yeah, it was a lot of lack of discipline and things like that. Guys not lined up. I'll give you that as well. But keep in mind what happened that year with Willie Taggart. Another guy by the name of Dan Mullen goes to Florida, okay? When both schools were recruiting for their new coaches, you had Dan Mullen, you had Willie Taggart. I think, I mean, at least, and I'm not sure people feel about this, but I think Willie Taggart, to me, was a sexier pick back then. When Willie Taggart went to Florida State, Dallin Mullen went to Florida. I was like, oh, Willie Taggart, man, this offensive guru, you know, like he's going to turn Florida State. Exactly. Like, I was excited for that. Dan Mullen, yeah, I get it. He had some good years in Mississippi State. Didn't win the big one. You know, didn't win a conference championship. But, yeah, it's kind of like vanilla ice cream. We'll see what happens. Well, what happens that first year? Willie Taggart struggles. You know, it's an embarrassing season for the Florida State Seminoles. Dan Mullen comes in right away. Florida Gators, they improve. They don't miss a beat. All of a sudden, they're the kind of like the toast of the town. Everyone's surprised. Well, Dan Mullen's got these guys playing good. And there's optimism after that first year. I'm just saying this year, in terms of the Florida State Seminoles, I understand in terms of the roster, the offensive line, the question marks, there's a lot there. And in COVID-19, there's a lot there as well. But I still think expectations should be a successful season because if not, it could be a Willie Taker scenario all over again. And you always have talent at Florida State. Yeah. Offensively and defensively, they have two of the studs in the in the entire country mm-hmm. in Terry and Wilson. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. You can't win with one guy on each side of the ball. This isn't the NBA or, or even college hoops in that respect. But I believe the expectation should be, yes, win some games. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, bad seasons in big-time college football. Are, if you have six wins, that's a bad season. Mm-hmm. So if you could get to seven wins and eight wins and be there, that'd be great. But I think it's deeper dive than that. Show me that you're an offensive guy and this offense is going to look pretty good now, but it's going to look really good someday. Like I can buy into that mm-hmm. and see that, and I can do that at the quarterback position and please show me that you're going to help fix that offensive line. Yeah. Because if I'm a Florida State fan, I'm tired of that narrative. Again, we I mean, you're Florida State. Why can't you get a few offensive linemen well, to come to Tallahassee and at least be respectable? They have not had a good offensive line. And you would think, too, in this new offense coming in, at least what we think is going to happen. I mean, listen, you had the skill guys. You're always going to have your skill guys there. You're always going to have those cam makers. Always. Cam makers, dynamic players. Now, what you do with them, that's on you. And that's that's your job to find out where you put them to make them shine. Obviously, I think we saw cam makers last year come on. But it's like, why isn't he getting the ball every single play? 
why isn't this guy touching the ball he literally so on every single Exactly. Yeah. And obviously now the Rams, I mean, he's kind of slated to be the starting running back there, so we'll see how he pans out. But I'm just saying you're always going to have those offensive weapons, those skill position guys, those playmakers. Shore up that offensive line. If you do that, you're going to have a great shot of winning some ball games. Well, FSU at four for your Knowles fans. Hope you jump in on ESPN 690, your official home of the Florida State Seminoles. In football and basketball coming up this fall, you can hear the games, the coaches show, and more. Uh, always jump in the conversation. If you want to talk some Knowles, we're ready for it uh, right here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Got some NBA talk on the horizon. We always will get back to the football talk, including Gardner Minshew. I want to deep dive into the numbers a little bit. Also want to ask the question about Minshew in this respect. We had the Pac-12 conversation yesterday. Mm-hmm. How much money would Minshew have made if the likeness and image <laughs> stuff was already intact? I like it. Let's go there next on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a very exciting offense. I think everybody you know so far has been really enjoying learning it. I'm very excited for uh, what it's going to bring to us. I think, you know, it's going to – you just gets the ball out of your hands. It distributes it to uh, guys that can make plays. Um, and I think we've got plenty of those guys too. So I think everybody's excited for what Jay's bringing and, you know, what, you know, we got coming back. You know, the Jaguars do have quite a bit coming back on offense. Really the only starter on offense not back is Tyler Eifert. I'm sorry, not back. Added yeah. is Tyler Eifert. Everybody else is back. Mm-hmm. If you have that same situation around the NFL, everybody's like, hey, I feel pretty good about it. In Jacksonville, it's like, oh, boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to me that just that, just that alone mm-hmm. w- would get more confidence from picks and prognosticators and, and analysts. Well, I mean, for instance, obviously, KC's offense is dynamic. And I think they return everybody now, Damian Williams and, and yeah. the offensive lineman won't, but they had basically returned everybody maybe except one player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, well, that's one of the reasons people are picking them to go back because they returned everybody. So that's just the dynamic. And, and listen, I'm not trying to say the Jags uh, guys that are coming back are, are the Chiefs. I understand there's a big difference there, but it's it's fascinating. Well, it's just, listen, the fact when you go 6-10, and 10, you come off a 6-10 and 10 year, and you say, well, you're returning all your offensive starters, it doesn't really give you a lot of confidence because, once again, you went 6-10 and 10 last year. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. That's true. I know, but when exactly you return it, all your starters and you went 6-10, and 10, how do people predict you to be 2-14? and 14? I don't know, man, because teams get better, and I guess you can say, well, did the Jaguars get better on offense? Now, yes, I, listen, we can say yes, they have, because Gardner Minshew's going into his second year. You add LaVisca Chenault. You add Gruden, who's supposed to be you know, a, a better-suited offensive coordinator for this team. So, yeah, th- there's a plenty of explanations why. But I'm just saying every team in the NFL has gotten better on offense, right? So it's just shades of how much better have you got and once again coming off a 6 and 10 season we didn't really add a lot of pieces it's like well how much better are you really yeah i i get it yeah. i mean i well i kind of get it i don't get it because sure. i think the jags will be better than people think so i guess i shouldn't say i get it yeah. like I, I don't understand such the 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 odds makers and everything else but they've been way more right than me in my 12 years in Jacksonville. No, so, for sure. Well, it, listen, Brent, it comes down to this. What teams do you think right now are worse than the Jacksonville Jaguars on paper coming from last season? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a battle for the worst. Yeah, I guess. you can battle make an argument. Bad. Obviously, the Redskins, you know, you can yeah. maybe throw the Dolphins out there. Sorry, South Beach, Gary, but the Dolphins out there. Um, you know, and maybe the Bengals. But yeah, the Bengals would be in that. Yeah, but it, it's kind of it's all in the same tier, though. 
You but know what I'm saying? My question is this. Well, let's just take the two two teams that we love to talk about the most okay. when we do this. And that's Arizona and the Jags. Yes. The Arizona Cardinals did one thing. They added DeAndre Hopkins. Very good player. Mm. And they did more than that, but yeah. one glaring thing. Mm-hmm. They added Hopkins. Yep. Jags added Tyler Eifert. People think Murray and the Cardinals, because they added Hopkins again, a good addition to the team, are gonna they were five and ten and one last year. Mm. Sure. So that's where I guess I guess I can't compartmentalize. Yes, great player they added. Absolutely. Maybe the best wide receiver in the game. Mm-hmm. Is the best wide receiver worth four or five wins? Well, keep in mind, too, I mean, the emergence of Kenyon Drake was big for them towards the end of the season. Yeah. I, I mean, the guy was a fantasy football dynamo like the past like four or five weeks of the season. I mean, even so much where they actually traded away Arizona's favorite son and David Johnson. Like, there was a time where David Johnson was supposed to be the bell cow of the Arizona Cardinals. Enter Kenyon Drake, and it's like... David Johnson, who? We're not worried about you, man. Go have fun in Houston. We'll get in DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins now. So, like, I still think there's intrigue in terms of what that running game is going to look like. And now you pair that, obviously, with Kyler Murray. You pair that with an Andy Isabella coming off of an injury, but hopefully going to be healthy this year, entering his second season. You pair that with a very veteran-friendly Larry Fitzgerald. You pair that with DeAndre Hopkins. You pair that now with Christian Kirk going into another year. And all of a sudden, you got some pretty interesting things taking place. So... I just think from an offensive perspective, obviously there's more to like right now from the Cardinals' perspective, but let's be honest. It's, it's unproven. Like we, we don't know if Kingsbury is the real deal or not, but I just think on paper what Kenyon Drake showed you and all those things I just mentioned, you got, you got Max Williams too now at tight end. You know I liked him a lot, and I wanted the Jacksonville Jaguars to get him. We'll see how he pans out. I think there's a lot to like right now in the Cardinals' offense. Yeah, I know. Uh, you're yeah, not alone there. I know. Yeah. I just we'll, – we'll gosh, see. I hope. Just please – just please, for, for, for me, just have the Jags be better than the Cardinals. Because yeah. I'm going to have fun with that. Sure. I, I almost, if the Jags are 31st in the league, just have the Cardinals be 32nd. I got you. I mean, let's be honest. Whose offense are you taking right now, the Cardinals no, or the Jaguars? I, I get you know? it. I just don't know if it's worth an eight-game swing. Sure. I don't I don't see why the Jags are 2-14 and 14 now after 6-10, and 10, mm-hmm. and Kyle Murray and the Cardinals are 10-6. and six. After well, five, ten, and one, listen, but that's what people think. Well, like, that's, that's a some, huge swing. But who are those people though? Because let's be honest, you play in the hardest division in all football. So to just sit here and say the Cardinals are probably going to beat the Seahawks, well, yeah, they're going to be the Forty Niners, and even compete with the with the Rams, I'd say you're crazy. Like, uh, listen, I, I think the Cardinals are going to be great this year, but I probably don't even see them going to the playoffs just because I think that the division they play in is that competitive. So well, then don't say they're going to be great because that could be the most overused word in sports. All right, my, my bad, but I also don't think they're going to go ten and six. And I'm not sure who's saying ten and six right now, but there's no other going to go ten. And I'll, I'll make a bet right now. There's no other Cardinals go ten and six in that division. Okay, it's but just, everybody thinks. I would say, given the the expectation of the Cardinals, people believe nine and seven. Okay. Nobody's talking the the the. the Nobody's talking about the expectation of the Cardinals and saying, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Cardinals, man, wait till you see them. They're going to be 8-8. Eight eight. <laughs> I mean, nobody says that. I think that would be an upgrade, though, from last year. Well, it would. I mean, two and a half games. We're talking the Jaguars going 8-8 eight eight would be parading in the streets right now. It would. I think if the Cardinals go 8-8, eight eight, I think they'd, they'd actually be pretty optimistic. Like, All right, we got something going here. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I think people would be disappointed in 8-8 eight eight the way they're talking about the Cardinals. I got you. Okay. Uh, that's the way my view of it is. Sure. Um. Anyway. Hey, what if the Super Bowl – was worth $200 million to a team. Now, in yeah. essence, I guess it kind of is. <laughs> like, if you win oh, the Super man. Bowl, go to the Super Bowl, it probably is. I yeah, mean, yeah. Why are we talking? I understand we're not a soccer-crazy 
country, mm-hmm. and especially here on the show. <laughs> but there is something on the table today, essentially for about $200 million, with Fulham playing in this match to try to get to the Premier League. Like, if I was, I don't know if soccer needs it. Like, I don't know if Fulham needs it. I don't know if Premier League needs it. They, they're so big all over the world anyway. Sure. But for my, the way I would explain it to the American fan mm-hmm. is just like that. Mm-hmm. I would bill it as it's a $200 million game. Because apparently that's the, I couldn't find exactly the money, yeah. but Stewart says it's like $200 million, And I've heard that. I've heard two to $300 million that that's what it's worth going up to the Premier League. Man. And so, I mean, wow, you got my attention. Mm-hmm. If I say it's two or three hundred million dollars for this mat one match, ninety minutes, two to three hundred million dollars. Yeah. But it's not billed that way. It's interesting, but that's the reality of it for Shad Khan, who owns Fulham, uh, mm-hmm. and and obviously Fulham trying to get back to the Premier League today. Well, it, it's kind of crazy too, right? Because it goes to show you it doesn't pay to be the big fish in the small pond, right? Like well, let's say Fulham doesn't make it, and let's see Fulham in their respective division that has a, a great. A year, and maybe they even win. Like, and I'm not sure. Once again, I'm not a big soccer fan. I'm not sure what the, I guess what the league is below the Premier Championship League, whatever you would call that. But let's say they do well there, maybe win a championship in that league. No one cares, right? But even if you finish last place in the Premier League, now honestly, if you do that, you're, well, probably, you're, you're not going to be there that yeah. long. Obviously, fourth to last but, is okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but regardless of that, you'd rather be that smaller fish in the big pond as opposed to the big fish in the small pond. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it is such a separation. Yeah. You know, and we get it around in the United. I mean, it'd be like the XFL to the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's like the AHL to uh, NHL. Mm-hmm. It's the D League to the or G League or whatever league it's called. What letter league now is it called? Uh, <laughs> to the NBA. Is it the G League or D? Whatever it is. To be honest it's with you, what's D- that? G G League Gatorade. Yeah, the the only. I think minor league baseball has a different feel in that sense. Like, there's still a value to minor league baseball, maybe not as much as a player, of mm-hmm. course. Like, players and owners, we know the millions and billions are being made at the major league baseball level. So, mm-hmm. in that sense, it is the same. Um, I think from a – like, we think there's such a separation, I think, in, if we're as a fan watching the G League versus the NBA. Like, we're sure. not watching the G League. I'm not going to a G League game. I'm not. Now, more and more college guys or high school guys are going to it, I think, early. So maybe yeah. we will start doing that. But, but we're we're willing to go to a minor league baseball game and watch a prospect yeah. more so than we are to do that, I think, at the like but, basketball level. But the, this is the crazy thing, though, Brent. It's like, imagine being a fan of that professional team. So whether you're a baseball fan, let's say, let's say you're a Sox fan, right? And a lot of tradition, a lot of history, you've been around for a while. Where if you don't don't do well, you're going back down to the minors, and you can watch minor league games on you know cable television at midnight, you know on, on the replays. Like it's just crazy to me where you can be so invested into a team and have that tradition, have that history, and either you're going to be cheering for them like at the professional level, like at an NBA level, or they're not going to do so well, and they go back down to the G League, and you can cheer from there. It's just that's baffling. It's wild how that works. It is pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, speaking of wild, it's goose eggs. Brentford and Fulham mm. right now, and they're into the 95th minute. They've gone to overtime, two 15-minute sessions. Then penalty cook kicks could decide this. Let's <sighs> so, well, turn that game on real quick. Seriously, though. Like, uh, Shad Khan has plenty of money. Tony Khan has a big investment in terms of uh, like being basically the GM of Fulham. Mm-hmm. 
Can you imagine being those guys right now? <laughs> like with all that? I mean, seriously, there's a lot on the line. I, I Again, ShotCon has billions of dollars, right? Hey, still $200 million, though, man. $200 million right $200 here. Mil, still $200 and million. And in overtime, you got basically 25 minutes left and then penalty kicks. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a rush. <laughs> you want to talk about the, the, the <laughs> highest of highest stakes, man. That's insane. That is, it's awesome, though. Like, I think if you this win, is, yeah, I, yeah, sure. well, I just think the, it's, this is what's so cool about sports. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not talking about Fulham and Brentford playing right now, but I think sure. this is what's cool about sport. I mean, this is what's on the line. Yeah, you know, that's what I love about this season in Jacksonville. That is essentially, it's not 200 million, but how much is on the line just from a dollar standpoint for Gardner Minshew in 2020? Good point. That lottery ticket is on the line yep. in 2020. Isn't that what we love about sports? It's it's really the you all or nothing. It, no, I, I lived it, and it's literally it's that all or nothing type of thing where one bad play, one bad game, and especially one bad season, it can set in wheels of motion changes that could take effect for the next decade to come. I mean, it, it's literally that we talk about the future of the Jacksonville Jaguars and what it's going to look like. Let's be honest, and I don't put extra added pressure on the guy, but it comes on Gardner Minshew, like. No one right now in Jacksonville is talking about, well, I like the Jaguars' playoff chances. Let's be honest. I don't, I don't, I like the Jaguars to win in the division. Like, no one's talking about that right now. People are talking about, is Gardner Minshew going to be the guy going forward or not? And it can literally come down to a couple plays here, a couple plays there, and we'll see what happens. Like, that, that to me is just wild because, let's be honest. I mean, whether you think they're going to win eight games, six games, five games, the expectations this year of the Jacksonville Jaguars, at least from the fan base's perspective, what, you, what I've been reading, it's not that high. What it comes down to this year is, is Gardner Minshew going to be that dude? And to be fair, I mean, yeah, obviously you don't have the optimism of cheering for a, a, a division title or going to a Super Bowl, but maybe you got even something bigger to cheer for. We're cheering for your future of your franchise. You're, you're, you're cheering for what would the draft's going to look like for maybe for the next three or four years. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I've said it before. I think uh, you're cheering for maybe how to reshape the city. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, if, if you could get somebody like Minshew to hit, yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean the city's going to, if he's not successful, I don't think, I think there's still op- opportunities for the city uh, to grow and, and take those next steps and all the things that want to take place. But I think it could be a, an awesome collision mm-hmm. if Minshew uh, is the guy. There is some drama going on, though. Brentford and Fulham will keep you posted on that if you're interested at all. I know there's not a ton of you out there uh, staying tuned to this. But you know what? It's the one time, like, I am. I'm yeah. kind of, I'm interested. Uh, a $200 million match? Sign me up. I mean, if it's going to be a horse race for 200 million bucks, I'm in. If there's, any, if there's a cornhole tournament for 200 million dollars, go and sign me I up. I watched for that. a lot of those this coronavirus season, and you, I'm telling you, I think I, I'd have a good shot. Are you talking about the cornhole tournaments? Yeah, the Johnsonville oh, Coos, cornhole tournaments. Coos, you're, getting, you're getting too cocky, my friend. You'd get so. You, you, those you, those you, guys are good. You'd be so nervous. Those there. guys were so ready to airmail. I'm just saying. He's using terms. Did you see <laughs> that what Hori Masvidal is going to be doing now? So, Jorge Masvidal, UFC, you know, uh, the, the BMF belt as he holds, um, is challenging the winner of the Johnsonville Cornhole Tournament, like, the champion. To a boxing match? No, to a oh. cornhole matchup. And they're going to, like, televise and everything. Really? Yeah. Now, listen, not sure how much cornhole Jorge Masvidal is playing in the streets or anything, but I might tune in to watch that. Listen. Yeah. Cornhole is one of those things that everybody's like, yeah, well, I could do that, and I could be on it. It's exactly what Coos just said. Yeah. You wouldn't beat those guys. Yeah. My, my, you wouldn't beat them. Like, I, I mean, you know. might be able to, like, compete Coos. with them for, like, one. You wouldn't beat them. You, you, you wouldn't beat them. 
I, dude, I'm telling you, I'm pretty good at cornhole. Hey, hey, you know what? Pretty no. good. Pretty good only counts in what? Hey, but hey. horseshoes and hand grenades. Thank you very much. You know what else? What's close, but yeah. Uh, but that's literally the goal of cornhole is to get it close. No, you, it. you get in the hole every single time. That's what these guys. Well, do. they do, yeah. And I yeah, would. If, but but, but no, can no, you no. do that? If playing them and they made every single one, then yeah, I would because I'd have to. I can be pretty good at golf, and I could not play with those guys. Unbelievable. The, that's my point. The the, the grand illusion on the show right now is just <laughs> it's unbelievable. If you think you can actually compete with these guys, Coos. Yeah, I don't think the, there's, there's a chance. The, these guys were armbands. They were Allen Iverson sleeves. You know why? Because they have to. They take it that seriously. Do you? We should what? do an ESPN 690 cornhole tournament. When's well, the, we can do that. When's the last time you were wearing an you Allen, might do well in that. When's the last time you were wearing an Allen Iverson arm sleeve playing I've cornhole? I've never worn. You know why? Because you don't take it seriously. Well, because I also think it's a weird look for like a pickup basketball no. game to be hey, wearing. Do you know why? Because you don't take it seriously, and that's why. <laughs> and that's why they're on TV and you're not. Because the Dream 18 is coming up September 14th. As a side play, you host the cornhole tournament for the Dream 18. After the golf. We'll have to like, okay. That'd be fun. All right. I, I can't wait to play Coos in some Corno. Because, like, the way you're talking right now, you, you better beat me by at least 10. Or else I'm going to let you know about it. I'm just saying. The arrogance right now coming from you. It's palpable. By the way, you can uh, sign up for the Action Sports Jack Stream 18 at actionsportsjackstream18.com. Thank you for that easy segue uh, <laughs> to uh, uh, register for the golf tournament. Uh, real quick thought. Yesterday we had the Pac-12 stuff. Today mm-hmm. a lot of Minshew. How much money would Minshew have made off his likeness and image? At Wazoo, especially at Wazoo, man, where those kids are weird over there. They'll spend money on anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm not looking for a dollar figure. I'm just saying, like, I mean, would would he have been? Well, in terms of the mustache, like last like, year, who won the Heisman last year? Um, do what now? Who won the Heisman last year? That's a good question. <laughs> no. Why'd you put me on the spot? I, I, okay, I let's just to... say Trevor Lord. Oh no, Joe Burrow. Burrow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So hey, no, seriously, uh, I forgot what year we're in. I might yeah. take Joe Burrow. Sure. LSU. Yeah. High profile. Breaking records. Wins the Heisman. Go Tigers. Gardner Minshew. Yep. Out in Wazoo. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it wasn't last year that he was there, but for this exercise. Yep. Off likeness and image and all the things you could do, is Burrow making a w- way more money? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, listen, Gardner Minshew, he obviously, he had that, he had that folk up here. Uh, appeal, right? Where, like, I mean, the, when he played in Wazoo, that was a perfect place for him to be. And I think in Wazoo, like, yeah, obviously the, the mustaches they would have sold in the search. Like, yeah, I'm sure he would have made his, his money. But Joe Burrow, man, Heisman Trophy winner, national championship. Like, listen, we saw the Senior Bowl with Gardner Minshew there. Nobody was talking Gardner Minshew. That's a good point. I did, but nobody was talking to him. So with that being said, if Joe Burrow goes to Senior Bowl, you better believe everyone's gathered around him. So Joe Burrow is best to make I, a lot more but money. But I guess my point is, like, you could do you know, aviator, jorts, all that stuff. I mean, what a, what's Burrow doing? Signing footballs, I guess. Winning. Well, I know. I'm talking about the yeah. dollars, though. But dude, if you're a Heisman Trophy winner and if you're a national champion, that's that sells more yeah. than hype. Would they? So then, like, if you look at like the last five years of Heisman winners, do you think they would be the highest earning off their name and likeness of that year? Well, let me take a look at it when we come back. I was going to say, we'll do you have that. those last five hundred? I do, winners? but we're going to run out of yeah. time. Oh, okay. We'll answer that on the other side. Plus, uh, more of Minshew behind the numbers. Not the dollars, but the numbers. I saw an interesting article. want to share it with you next on ESPN 690. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.